I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, your source for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer, and the home of the Bader Inc. College Football Statistical Model. Thank you for joining us. This is Brian Conger, and it was a crazy week last week, but we are here. We're going to continue recording weekly, and one of the best things about having somebody like Rob Bowen who plans ahead is we have tons of football content and tons of things to talk about. Mr. Rob, what is going on? Well, I mean, because usually what happens is, is that like the the late signing day happens and it's like right before the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments. And so it gets a little buried that I have uh, projections, you know, for the teams and then um, the folks that I buy the data from have uh, the, the got me the schedule files. So I actually, I have projections for all 130 NCAA teams, both for their, their win totals and their uh, conference win totals. So actually I have all the, the conference projections for, you know, how teams are going to finish in their conference uh, <clears throat> expected wise. And um, you can go on uh, sharp college football and look on everything that goes into the projection model and see sort of how, uh, how we ended up where we were with the projections and, I don't know. Even though I say that and I tried, I always talk about when I talk about projections, like we are talking about probability. I'm not talking about certainty. However, it always ends up with like somebody yelling at me that like, no, you idiot. Like Memphis is going to be really good. And you're an idiot for saying that. I'm like, no, I think Memphis will be good, but they got a coaching change. So we'll see. And they're like, no, you're saying they're bad. And <laughs> so just think of it as like, uh, you know things that the model doesn't know, like bring your own priors, um, use it as a tool. It's not the end all be all. It's good though. Like it, it outperform. it generally outperforms Vegas on season win totals. It's the benefits of Twitter, Rob. It's the benefits of Twitter. <laughs> and uh, uh, we certainly get that on our end too at 12 Pack Radio, which you, by the way, you could follow at 12PAC Radio if you want to yell at us, 12 Pack Radio. But I, look, guys, I, I saw the download numbers for our basketball stuff. I know our bread is buttered and it's football, and we will talk football if you want us to. So, uh, really glad to have Rob on to be able to talk about that. But speaking of basketball, Mr. Mr. Max Meyer comes back from his trip to William Hill in Las Vegas for the Pac 12 tournament. And Max, I'm sure a great time was had by all. Yeah, I mean, I was excited and terrified for a two-week trip in Vegas and ended up being two days. Uh, Definitely was much different than what I had in mind, but it was great being out in the Vegas office for the first time and meeting all the people out there uh, and then just watching all the conference tournaments uh, get canceled one by one, except for the Big East, which made it one half, and we were just all watching in the office, and it was surreal. Um, but at least I'm glad that I got uh, day one Pac-12 tournament bets in because I went 3-0. And hopefully that led to some people winning some money 
uh, out there. I just wish I, I put money on a Cal money line instead of Cal plus nine and a half. Yeah, th- those picks were awesome. We made sure to share them. So if you jumped on the bandwagon, congratulations. We're going to really open up this podcast by talking Pac-12 football. We have, it should be spring football right now, and or at least for some schools, the ones that are coming in early. But since that's not happening, we still have the rosters and a lot to talk about. We're going to rank the Pac-12 quarterback situations at each team. But I did want to highlight, because I think we all watched the last game, which was Wednesday night, it was Colorado versus Washington State with Bill Walton on the call. And Max, it felt like I was watching the end of the world. I don't know. What did, did you get that vibe too while you were watching? I mean, essentially a meaningless game. It was meaningful to Colorado, but I think we all knew that the, the games were either going to be canceled the next day or being played in front of no people in the crowd. It, it's super bizarre in my end. Yeah, no, I definitely had a, a pretty good inkling that that was going to be the final college basketball game that we saw in March. And I guess it technically wasn't because. Um, Great St. John's played a half, so I'm not sure if that counts as a, as a game being played. I, I guess maybe we'll round up in, in this case. But, yeah, I mean, Bill Walton, final game, it was awesome. And I just wish it was a more uh, exciting game that would have given us a photo finish. But then again, I mean, Washington State and Cal winning the final two games of the Pac-12 year, it was perfect. You can't say that Washington State didn't win the national title. You can't say that. And maybe we will a couple times on the podcast. But let's get into this here. Um, I, obviously, the quarterback, at least for my opinion, I think most people's opinion, is the most important position in football. And one of the things that really stood out for me, Rob, when I was going over all of the situations uh, team by team in the Pac-12 of where these quarterbacks are is you can say a lot about the Pac-12's inability, not inability to recruit, but um, compared to other major conferences, there's been a drop-off in recruiting outside of schools like Oregon and USC, and we even saw the drop-off at USC this year. But the number of elite quarterbacks that are in this conference jumped out immediately at me across multiple programs. Uh, d- was there anything else that stood out for you while you were just looking over at these teams? And what do you think about the really the influx of talent at the quarterback position in the Conference of Champions route? I mean, QB is still a is still a position where I think the Pac-12 was able to recruit fairly well, um, and I would say I mean part of it is there's just only so many QB spots around the country, but there's there are a lot of there are a lot of even reasonably high ranked you know QB like even Rich Rod at Arizona used to you know regularly land four star QBs, um, so it's it is something that the the conference is still able to do. I mean if they could land a few more defensive lineman <laughs> that would be great um and I, I think when i look across though in all the rosters it's uh, there's almost no one coming back i mean that's 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 what sort of a, a you know when i look across this um is when you look across you're like wow like there's just there's hardly anyone left um from from last season uh coming back this season so it's going to be wide open and a lot of these guys that were pretty well thought of uh coming in as recruits are going to get their shot that is true the one thing that i did highlight at least on my end were the quarterbacks that were coming back Jaden daniels keaton slovis uh chase garbers even davis mills showed promise when he was there at stanford you know trying to push kj costello out um some interesting talent and but then you have Dorian Topps Robinson. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Put him over to the side here. Um, but even like you mentioned, Rob, most of the teams, like the majority of the Pac-12 teams here, are uh, are reloading. Uh, but the talent that's here, Max, I don't know. I, th- I think it's it's pretty impressive, and it'll be interesting to see if some of these other younger players rise to the occasion. 
Agreed. And actually, I, I think that this is going to be more important this season than most. I just think that having a returning quarterback and and that has the same offensive coordinator and the same head coach as the previous season is going to be so huge just because you're not getting those reps uh, in spring practice. And so I think with the uh, teams that have a new starting quarterback coming in, it's going to be even that much of a greater learning curve in the fall and in the early weeks. And so like having a Slovis, having a Daniels, having a Mills that at least had uh, some good reps uh, this past season, uh, I-, I think it's going to be a huge plus for those teams. Anything else, Max, that stood out for you in general when you were looking at the quarterback rosters here? I This might make me sound like a homer. I think Slovis is going to have one of the best quarterbacking seasons in USC history next season. I think that's, I'm on board. Yeah. Okay. Right. I was wondering what you <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Sold. I mean, Slovis was a star last season. I, I think people underrate it. Um, <clears throat> I think if you look at how, I mean, USC got really lucky, I think in that Utah game um, because Matt Fink was basically playing 500 with his receivers. Um, but, and then, but I think, I think USC would have beaten Washington uh, with Slovis in there. And it was, yeah, like, I, I think people really underestimate the year that Slovis had. He's going to have another year of experience, the same play caller. Um, they're returning a lot. Like, I, I really, really like Slovis coming into this season. And then also, I just feel that people that have Slovis and Daniels on a similar playing field after their freshman campaigns, I just don't think that they were watching the games necessarily, that they're just looking at the numbers or maybe seeing the records. But... Slovis was much, much better. And, and, and you know, I'll give Daniels credit as well. Like, he was better than I thought he would be. But, so, I mean, Slovis didn't look like a freshman. And when he was we, just really impressive. When we get to Daniels on this, like, I will go, like, I will highlight because I, I, I asked, I talked to a guy at Pro Football Focus who's, who's no longer with Pro Football, but he was at the time. And he had ranked all of the college football uh, quarterback rooms at the end of the season. Um, and he had, he did not have Daniels particularly high. There was a huge gap between him and Slovis. So there's a, I, I think people that have watched the tape, I think if you watched a lot of the games, um, you saw a lot of it, but if you went back and reviewed the tape, there's, there's a lot of things for Daniels really to work on. But I also, I will give Daniels this Arizona state's offensive line was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Last season, and so maybe with a better offensive line that Daniels will, uh, and then also just the the sophomore year leap as well. But yeah. But then again, I mean, Cal had a horrendous offensive line, and when Chase Garbers was healthy, I mean, Cal's offense was pr- actually pretty solid. So we'll see. But Daniels has to do it without. I mean, we're gonna leave it all out now. But I mean, like, yeah. maybe the offensive line's better, but no Benjamin. You know, no Brandon Ayuk. Like, yeah. there's there's some big pieces missing that that a lot of teams would have killed to have. Frankly, no, that's true. Like, I would. Would you say that Benjamin Ayuk is the best, like, top running back, top wide receiver combo in the conference this past season? Because, like, the other one maybe like Verdell, Johnny Johnson, me or um or uh, Hodgins, um, Jefferson. Or Pierce, who uh, take your pick for Oregon State, but I would probably take Benjamin Ayuk over any of those. I think I'm pure talent. I mean, the offensive line really hurt Benjamin this season. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I think, I mean, you're not going to have, I mean, Ayuk might be, you know, he's a, he's a fringy first round talent. You know, there are not a lot of running backs that are going to get drafted early, but Benjamin's a guy that's going to get his name called. Um, like, and I don't know that there are a lot of other Pac-12 running backs that you could say that about. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so would we put USC first? I would. I think Keaton Slovis coming yes. back. He really proved himself as a freshman. He comes in as a sophomore. He has the system. He has the talent around him. The offensive line, like you mentioned, Max, is the question mark. But so, Rob, you said yes. Max, would you rank sure. USC one? Yeah. And that's probably probably the easiest decision on the list. Yeah. And you have JT Daniels as a backup. I mean, you have a former all-world five-star who had a – he had a season where he played a lot like a true freshman in his freshman year. But, you know, like if you have to turn back to JT Daniels, like if you're USC, like they're in a good spot. How dare you besmirch I, the name I, of I, Matt Fink, Rob? I think it should never play again. <laughs> I've seen enough. Like I, I have seen enough Matt Fink. I watched that Washington game where he drove them down and then just had those stupid turnovers where, I mean, just Matt, I've, I've done it. I've seen it. I have a question for you guys, though. How many quarterbacks would you – how many uh, Pac-12 starting quarterbacks would you take over JT Daniels? Besides Slovis, obviously. Let's see. Um, I mean, it's kind of different because a lot of these programs, I mean, you look at Washington has new quarterbacks. Wazoo has new quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so like, do, like, do you think JT Daniels would start for what? Like nine of the other Pac-12 schools? Yeah, I think Probably, that's fair. Right? Yeah. Cal, I, I don't think he starts at Cal. I don't think he starts at Stanford. Don't know about Wazoo. Like, Pro- I would say the only ones that you could – that. I think you could argue would be Cal, Arizona State, Stanford. I don't. I just didn't think yeah. he was that good. Like, I mean, so so I mean, we'll talk about Oregon. But he's Oregon... a true freshman. Don't I... kill him too. I mean, <laughs> I know, but like, Oregon... I mean, but this is this is true of da- the other Daniels, Jaden Daniels too. I mean, you shouldn't kill him too much. He's a true freshman, but like he, you know, people expect that a true freshman comes in and plays like Trevor Lawrence, and that's just not always the case. Yeah. I mean, like Oregon and Washington have one, two, one, two. They have six top twenty quarterbacks in in different classes coming in that will start at one of those programs. I guess it's kind of hard to answer. I mean, I just I, what I'm saying is I wouldn't throw him in as like yes, he would start at Oregon because I don't I don't know how good Oregon's quarterbacks are in a Joe Moorhead system. Um, they're probably pretty good. At Washington, I, he probably starts at Washington because I wasn't really that impressed with the offense. Maybe it was the offensive play caller, but I don't know. What do you think about Max? Would he start at Washington? I I mean, he – so Washington, none of their um, quarterbacks were five stars, right? Uh, I Jake, don't think so. No, Sermon was four-star. He's a four-star. But he was, he was top ten <clears throat> pro quarterback. Like, um, don't – like. I was about to, like, don't get me wrong. Like Daniels definitely, he he doesn't have like so. Daniels is a five star, but I wouldn't say that he has elite arm talent or elite athleticism. But I feel like if you're Washington, you still have to take the gamble. Like five star pedigree, like, and I I think he's good enough to be a viable starting quarterback. I just don't see the star power like I do with Slovis. Yeah. I mean, Washington fans were. I mean, Washington fans were pretty excited about Jacob Eason, and Jacob Eason like 
basically had the same year J, you know JT Daniels had as a freshman at Georgia. He just happened to have an excellent defense and an amazing running game in front of him. And Eason, like, I mean, they like he came in and clearly won that job, you know, um, from all those guys that are on Washington's like most of the guys that are on Washington's roster now. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's like JT Daniels, if he if he had not, like, if he had sat out and then transferred. You know, like if you transferred out of this, like a lot of a lot of programs would be super excited to have JT Daniels coming in. Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's let's move off from USC. We have them at number one. Let's talk about our number two team. And and one of the things that we should probably do is like we're going to put a tremendous amount of weight, obviously, on the starter. But I want to put some credence to the backups and just the depth of each program. So take that as you will. I'm probably going to do like 80-20 in terms of like where I'm putting my weight on each pro, you know, on where each program is, because obviously the starter is the most important one. Um, but having that backup is helpful and having the depth there is also helpful. Let's get to our number two team right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. We're ranking the Pac-12 quarterbacks, and we just had USC at number one. Max, where are you going to put number two here? So if we're taking entire quarterback rooms into account, I'm going to go Cal number two. So Ooh. I like uh, – I mean, when Garbers was healthy, I, Cal's offense, they were they were respectable. Like they were averaging, um, I want to say, like mid-20s in terms of points per game. Ended it on a high note because they, they beat Stanford at the last second to win their first big game in a while. But then also, like, they have Devin Modster, and Modster definitely looked shaky at times uh, when he had to come in the middle of the game uh, if Garbers was hurt. But he still has experience at both UCLA and Cal now. And Spencer Brash, uh, he's a four-star recruit as well. So I like the depth uh, of the Cal room. It might not have as much upside, as an Arizona State or Stanford, but I I I think Garbers is a very steady quarterback, and I'll take my chances with the Cal quarterback room. I love Chase Garbers. I will plant my flag on the Devon uh, Devin Monster is not good hill like that. I will die, <laughs> I will die there, <laughs> like with so many arrows. <laughs> oh no, it did not it did not work. That that did not work. Devin Monster is pretty much only good with uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, Jed Fish, like that's it. Like Jed Fish is the Devin Monster whisperer. That that's all we got. With, with that said, though. Spencer Brash was a top 15 dual threat quarterback of 2019, four-star kid that comes in. Um, you know, he'll push Garbers. Garbers is a starter, but it's nice, like you mentioned, Max, to have some depth there. And then it's interesting. We're not going to see this kid, but Jaden Casey, who came in this year, uh, was a top 20 pro-style quarterback and had offers from Utah and Alabama. So there is there is some depth there. Um I just I don't even know if Monster's going to play. Like, I know that he got injured again trying to play baseball, but um, – but you're right. There, There is some depth there. There is some reliability. And man, Rob, when Cal was moving, uh, Garbers was at the helm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he made that offense work. Um, but I would go with a different team at number two. Okay. I would go with Stanford. Ah, I think, 
I think Mills is good. I mean, and, and I'm stealing Max's thunder here because, like, Max was all over Bills early last season um, when he was playing. But I think Mills is good. I think they've recruited well behind him. I think he's going to step in and play well. Um, yeah, I think when you look across, um, you know, like, when you look across, like, what they have uh, and coming back experience-wise, um, you know, with the, at the position and what they have behind them, I think you got to put Stanford ahead of Cal. So, Max, you were on top of Mills while he was pushing KJ Costello when there was an injury problem. What did you think about Mills in terms of, like, I guess what stood out for him where you kind of thought, oh, yeah, he's he's going to be better than Costello? No, so I, I guess uh, the first time I watched him was the USC game. And even though um, USC won that game, I still came away pretty impressed with Mills because I thought that he did a nice job against USC's defense. It was just Stanford's defense that was an absolute disaster uh, against Slovis. But I was just impressed with some of the throws that he made, and he has the nice pedigree. He looks the part. uh, And he didn't really – like, he had – uh, Kobe Parkinson at tight end, but I didn't think his receivers were were anything special last year, but he still made the most of what he had. Um, and I, I, I just think that with another year um, of experience that he can really break out. And yeah, Stanford was my number three personally. So um, I, I, I almost in lockstep with Rob. But yeah, no, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And I, and I can absolutely see, like, like I was saying when I was talking about Cal, like I think that Stanford, Arizona State, uh, Cal USC is the clear top four for me with USC being number one. And then you could, and then I'm fine with arguing any of the two through four spots between the other three schools. It was interesting. Davis Mills was the top number one quarterback of 2017. Five-star kid comes in, um, has a starting job. Now he's backed up by Jack West who had offers from Auburn, Michigan and USC. Uh, he came in actually in the same class that Mills did. It's interesting though. Something to keep in mind is that Stanford only has two scholarship quarterbacks, I think, and unless, unless I missed something, but I was like searching this for a while, um, two scholarship quarterbacks and has not recruited a quarterback in two years. Um, that includes 2020 and 2019. So I have no idea what's going on with David Shaw. He always tended to bring in a top-tier quarterback into that system and has not done so the last two years. So something to watch there. Um, anything else on the Northern California schools, guys? I have, I have a question for you two. So when Pro Football Focus at the end of the season graded out the quarterbacks, the quarterback rooms, who was the set behind? And Slovis was obviously their number one. Who was the number two returning quarterback that actually played in the Pac-12 last season? I think I know this, so I want to hear. I want to hear what you think, Max. I'm gonna go just because Rob's asking. I'm gonna go Grant Canell. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, no. I mean, it's shy, It's surprising. Like, um, but when like he played on a really bad team, but like his his throws when you look at the tape, he makes really good decisions with the ball. And the only real knock on him is that he had he doesn't have like an NFL type arm, but he uh, you don't have to necessarily in college. He makes a lot of really smart plays with the football. And I know there's Washington and Oregon fans that are like probably pulling their hair out right now. We're kind of I, oh, no, we're, like we're, those guys are, are graded. Those, those are all graded high. And I'm not saying Grant Cannell should necessarily be ahead of them, but like it's it's worth noting, like if it, like where he where he graded out on the guys that watch the tape for a living. Yeah, and it's the devil you know. I mean, like we've seen some of these guys play. I, 
I watched yeah. a lot of Arizona football. I thought, and and so did you, Rob, and so did you, Max. Uh, we thought that Ganell should be starting over Khalil Tate, like in the third game. <laughs> so, and that didn't yeah. happen, which is quite frustrating. But yeah, when he was there, and it was sometimes garbage time, but sometimes not. Um, really was able to move the ball there. Max, let's see. So we have we have one, two, and three. Who do you want at number four? I'll go Arizona State. Uh, I mean, Daniels. Uh, we 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 we've been a little hard on him on this podcast compared to the national consensus, but I still I still think he's a legitimate starter. Um, I, I, he did have some uh, big wins in his freshman season. I like his dual threat capability. Uh, he just has to be a little more consistent with it with his throws. Yeah, Rob, I I think Max is right. We tended to be a little harsh on him. Um, his accuracy numbers weren't great, but if you listen to um, a number of ASU podcasts like I do, they do have some pretty good um, arguments for the positions that he was in, and obviously the offensive line wasn't good, and the, I don't think the offensive play calling was all that impressive, uh, but the guy has poise and moves the ball down the field and made big plays. So what did you think about Daniels? I, mean, I thought he was okay. I mean, I, like, I don't – like, it's his accuracy was bad, and it's not just that he was – like, it's not just drops or anything like that. He just – he, he misses on his throws. Um, and I, I think that that's something that's going to carry over into this year. Um, you know, it's, and so, uh, like I, he, he was as, as pro football focused, he, he graded out as the least accurate quarterback in the PAC 12 throwing, he threw an accurate pass less than 50% of the time. Um, so he's, he's got a lot more to work on than people think. Uh, I think not having Brandon Ayuk there is going to be a problem. Um, I would, I, I would have Arizona state while I'd have them a lot of ahead of a lot of the schools that don't have QBs or don't have a returning QB. I would probably put Washington and Oregon ahead of them. It was interesting when you get into depth and again, Daniels is a starter, but not a ton there. Ethan long was a three-star kid. He had offers from Utah, Columbia and Dartmouth. So not a ton of pedigree. The one guy to keep a lookout for it, ASU fans, I'm going to botch the guy's name, but it's Trenton. I think it's Borget or Borquette. And he came out of Marana and actually the call back to Wildcat Radio, uh, Josh Worthington uh, coached out of Marana in basketball and was talking about how smart of a mind he was. And he was basically like, that guy's awesome. That, like he doesn't have the body and, and he doesn't have the strength, but he's really, really good. And he's the seven on seven champ, like basically legend <laughs> in the pajama ball circuit. Um, and he's going, he's undersized and he's, but he's at ASU It'll just be really interesting to see if he ever gets a chance on the field because he's kind of like one of those players that you want to root for, but he just doesn't have any of the, you know, the the physical build to to be the starting guy. But just somebody to keep an eye out for because I was really excited to see that he ended up going to a Pac-12 school. But um, I would probably move ASU down a little bit just based on like pedigree of some of the other players but it would be interesting max to see if uh, Daniels gets that sophomore boost and is able to really come into his own in this coming year. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, like I'm going more experience, but not experiences in like transfer, like experience like that. Daniel yeah. um, has the returning coaching staff and and some of the returning players back on the offense. So that um, and, I, and like I was saying before, I, I just think with spring practice canceled that 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 experience is going to play a much bigger role. And, and, and it, it, it really does in college football. Uh, especially in power conferences, a good amount of the time. Like it, it's not just. Well, oh, <laughs> do we want to re-record that? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's keep it. Let's keep it. My dad was calling, and I have um, the Benny Hill theme song as my, <laughs> <is> my <laughs> ringtone. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I just think that experience is going to play a, a huge part of this season. And so, but after Arizona state, things get interesting for me. So um, I did like what I saw from Gunnell and what Rob was saying earlier, I think it's going to push me to give Arizona the number five spot. And then after I have to choose between uh, DTR or Utah's. No, no, just feel, feel free to rank it. Like feel free to rank UCLA. Like, yeah, I don't know, you know what? I, can't, I, I, can't, I, I, can't I think they are. I can't do it. Honestly, DTR is is your ringtone, Bryant. He is yakety sax. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you know what? Okay, so after Arizona, I'm going to look more upside. So I'll go Oregon, um, number six. I, uh, I just like Oregon and Washington, I, I feel are pretty interchangeable, but I trust Oregon's uh, high end quarterback situation, Tyler Shutt. Um, and I, I think that he has the highest upside this season as a starter compared yeah. to Washington's quarterback room, even though I like some of the talent that they have uh, up in Seattle. Yeah, and Rob, we had Hithliday on, and he was talking about how Shuck, at least from what he's seen in, in the beginning, is going to be a better system quarterback, and it just tends to yep. – um, Herbert had made some baffling decisions, and it just seems like if he, if Shuck could just do the things he needed to do, the offense in Oregon is going to be um, more efficient in the future. I just want to highlight this. Look at the recruiting at Oregon. So Tyler Shuck is going to be the, uh, is going to be the starter, likely. He was the number six quarterback in 2018. They have the number 15 – pro style quarterback in 2019 the top three pro style quarterback in 2020 and a top 10 dual threat quarterback in 2020 um who was a former old miss commit rob they have just been nailing it on the recruiting trail yeah i mean uh we talk about this cristobal learned from his mentor uh at alabama nick saban um and he recruited you know they recruit like an sec school they they really they put an emphasis on it so uh it, it's paid off and if show can be a uh Yes, there's no better. There, are, there are a few better people to be a system quarterback for than Joe Moorhead. So if he can be a system quarterback, like they're gonna hum. Man, and with that defense, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, and Oregon got another uh, quarterback recruit today. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Ty Thompson and another four-star quarterback. So Mario Cristobal. I mean, he said recruiting never sleeps, and and he uh, is you know actions speak louder than words. And Oregon recruiting during these times and glanding commits very impressive stuff have they loosened the transfer issues where you can transfer to a a conference school without the penalty yet no uh you yes they have um but what happened like what happened was this this past year for most where that like where there was that one that got the holdout was chris peter like you have to waive it and chris peterson would not waive it for yankoff at UCLA. Um, no, they did. No, they did totally remove it. Actually, I'm wrong. No, they did totally okay. remove it. He just oh, they, they had put in for a waiver. They had put in for a waiver, and Peterson put held up an objection to it. That's right. Wait, wait. So, college football across the country changed the rule, or they haven't yet. No. So it used to be that the Pac-12, in addition to having the normal NCAA, they call it a year in residence, but the penalty year, the transfer year. The Pac-12, if you transferred within the conference, required an additional year. Oh, I don't even, I don't even know when that existed. Yeah, up until last year. Wait, um, wait which, really? Yeah, which yeah, is why you so, didn't have any transfers in the conference. Which is why, like, if you uh, saw, you like, if you like, USC was the great example of this because you'd have some guy that would lose out on the job, 
And then he, he would never, like, they would never transfer to another Pac-12 school unless they went to a JC first. Um, wow. Okay. I didn't even know about that rule. I didn't yeah. Know. It was a bad, it was a really bad rule because, like, for, for a lot of schools that were further down in the pecking order for the Pac-12, you know, that, that penalty or meant that if, like, some, like, there was a, if there was a guy at, like, USC or UCLA that got beat out or wasn't getting playing time that might be a starter on their team, you know, they were leaving the conference for sure. <laughs> and that was my point. Like, if you're... Oregon State or Arizona or, you know, Colorado, you should be like, yay, every time Oregon gets their 16th, like, five-star quarterback, like, hooray, yeah, he's on the West Coast. Yeah, sticking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, uh, anything else on Oregon, Max? Uh, yeah, so like, like I was saying before, like, I, I think Oregon and Washington are uh, pretty close in terms of uh, quarterback talent. But, yeah, with Chuck leading the way, I, I have to give the slight edge to the Ducks. And I don't like. I think that losing Herbert won't be as costly as people think. Yeah, and that seemed yeah. to be the same perspective of Hithliday when he was on here too. So, uh, man, that'll be really fun to watch Oregon in the coming year, particularly that game against Ohio State. Rob, who do you want to who do you want to talk about next here? Oh, 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 actually, oh well, one thing about the Oregon Ohio State game, I- I'm not allowed to name the book. But I saw another, or I saw another sports book, not William Hill, uh, release a couple lines, and one of them was the Oregon Ohio State game, and they had Ohio State as a two and a half point favorite in Austin, and I thought that that was low, even though I am yeah. really high on this Oregon team. But Ohio State is top three good. Oh uh, wow! I mean, you should, don't follow my advice on this, but I would bet that. I mean. Like that's that's so like beta ranks a little low on Oregon, I think, um, coming into this season. Like, but beta rank doesn't see the Moorhead higher, I would say. It is like as high as can be practically on this Oregon defense. Um, but uh, I would still have I would still have Ohio State by double to by 10. Like, uh, no, I, 10. I would say, no, I would say, I think the most realist, I think the realistic line for this game is going to be six and a half, seven. Oh man, I don't Oof, have to I, take a look at that. <laughs> I mean, as good as like people don't realize, and I said like having a good defense, like you, we live in the era of big offense, and so like having like if you don't have a big offense, and Ohio State with Ryan Day definitely does, um, you're you just can't keep up. Um, if it were if it were coming in a different time, like later in the season somehow, I know college football doesn't work that way with non-conference, but. Um, where you weren't breaking in a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback with no, like with the potential of like a, you know, whatever spring practice ends up being, I, I I'd see it. I just, I have trouble seeing cause like Ohio state has a really good defense too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not, it's not as if like, like Ohio state's going to lose a lot of guys to the NFL draft, but Ohio state recruits like nobody in the PAC 12 does. Uh, and they're, they're just going to replace those with a bunch of four and five star guys. I hope these games. And then, and, I was gonna say, and then the other PAC 12 lines, I, the early PAC 12 lines I saw from this uh, sports book, I uh, Bama was uh, minus 13 and a half over USC. That feels fair, which I thought was fair. 14, I'd probably have to take USC at that point if it was still available at uh, at a sports book that I use. And then the only Pac-12 conference game that I saw was Oregon minus seven over Washington. Ooh, are they at Washington? No, it's at Oregon. Oh man, uh, if it was at Washington, that line would be way too high. I kind of like Oregon in that game. 
I don't know. Is that? Do you think that's too high? I like actually? Oregon in that game. No, like I think I think um, I think the USC Alabama line is fair. I think the Oregon line is fair. Um, admittedly, like I would have if it was earlier because I think it's in um, late October that game. Let me just check it quickly. I think the uh, you're going to get great value fading Washington early in the season, uh, just because new coaching staff, new quarterback. And especially without having spring practice, I just think that they're going to be really rusty to start. And even if they do win, it's going to be lower scoring games. And so if you're getting like Washington as like as as more than a touchdown favorite, I think you're going to I'm going to have to fade Washington in those spots early on in the season. But okay, Oh, so Washington, it's on uh, October 3rd, and that is Washington's fourth game. So, but, oh, but it's also, it's coming after a bye, which makes things a little tricky for, so Washington gets a bye before the game and Oregon, that'll be their fifth game in five weeks. And then after they play Washington, Oregon goes on a bye. I was going to say, I thought I saw like the, uh, the Michigan Washington line and the games at Washington. I think I saw Washington minus two. Um, Whoa. No, and I like Beta Ranks got it at minus one for Washington. Michigan loses everybody, and they are not—they are not a juggernaut like Ohio State. Um, and Ohio State and Washington returns a ton on defense. Like that defense is going to be nasty. So I think that that game. First off, I think that that, game, that total is going to be in the low forties. It's going to be a yeah. Really that's going to be. It's going to be a really low scoring game. But I don't. It's just it's. I know Michigan doesn't have – Michigan has a horrendous reputation under Harbaugh in big games, and for good reason. But I don't know. I feel like like kind of like the Michigan at Utah game uh, a couple years ago. But uh, Utah actually gave that Michigan team a scare. But I don't think that that Michigan team was as good as that Michigan team that went into Salt Lake. But I'm just I'm, – I'm pretty down on the Huskies overall, especially early on in the season. Because they don't have, because yes, they do have that experience on the defensive end, but I think Donovan's going to be a disaster. It's still Jimmy Lake's first game up against a very experienced coach in Harbaugh, and the and the quarterback situation um, that's unsolved. They lose their top game breaker in Hunter Bryant, and and they lose a, a good chunk on their offensive line as well. I don't know. I, I think Washington's really going to be in for a rough start to the season. Yeah, and Ryan Newsom, like who I liked, but still fairly new, uh, even though because they they lost Salvin Ahmed. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. But let's talk about that quarterback situation here, Jacob Sermon. Yeah, sorry for sorry for going off track. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I didn't realize that the lines had already come out. So it's always good to talk um, early lines when uh, before the season starts. Um, Jacob Sermon uh, is a sophomore. He was a former four-star kid. He's the number six quarterback of the 2018 class. Dylan Morris, who was the scout player MVP, was a four-star. He was the number five quarterback of the 2019 class. And then Ethan Garbers, who threw 71 touchdowns in high school, was the number four quarterback of the 2020 class. So, again, um, three top ten quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back at Washington, but still kind of an unknown, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we haven't really seen much of any of these guys um, coming in. And it's they, – they really – like a lot of people really like Dylan Morris. Um, and it's it's going to be him and Sermon to, to see who the, to, the starter is going to be. Uh, and I 
given that uh, we're totally changing offensive coordinator and everything in this, like it, it could be anybody. And they are, I, I think you're right. Like they, they lost a lot too on that offensive line. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they do struggle offensively that we don't see both Morris and Sermon. Yeah. Like Max, you floated the idea of Jacob Eason going to the NFL like three or four weeks before it really started to, to snowball. And at that point I was like, ah, I don't know. Like I'm just not seeing it, but he does have the body type. He has the arm strength and Rob, you jumped in and mentioned, well, take a look at what's returning. <laughs> like, you know, a bad offensive coordinator, but you don't know who they're going to replace a uh, missing yeah. offensive line and, and not great wide receivers. Now there's some young guys that are showed some flashes, but they hadn't proven it yet. So um, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, so, so after Washington, we're left with Wazoo, Oregon State, Colorado, and Utah, and UCLA, which I'm assuming we're putting at the, at the end. Uh, Max, of those situations, who would you put next under Washington? Uh, I'm going to go Utah just because yeah. I, I think Jake B- Bentley is solid, and they do have other options in case uh, he doesn't have a full recovery from his injury. Yeah, Jake Bentley, the South Carolina transfer who is coming in and playing right away. Um, and like you mentioned behind him, Cameron Rising, who was a Texas transfer, ran the scout team, had some really good reviews from the coaching staff based on his performance there. So they're going to be duking it out here, Rob. Yeah, and Utah has done pretty well out on the transfer market here. Um, and it is if, if Bentley is back from his injury, I'm, I'm with Max. I do expect him to be the starter. But Rising is not a bad guy to have in your back pocket to play. Uh, at all so the after that it does I mean I would having two quarterbacks to play is good if Bentley's not recovered from his injury though like Drew if you're getting to Drew Lisk or Cooper Justice like it gets pretty thin um and they really have like Utah has to land QB in this next coming class yeah so the offseason right after usually is Mark March Madness is my favorite like football offseason time of the year because it's where I start looking at rivals and looking at you know all the offers that these players got and so I'm like la 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 oh Cooper Justice I've never heard of him who offered him and it's the Colorado School of Mines in San Diego (laughs) and he is their probably their third string quarterback if somebody gets hurt so uh, light a candle for Rising or Bentley but like you mentioned Max those are two pretty solid guys to try it out there yeah and yeah, I mean, I, Utah, I mean, if Bentley is healthy, like Utah can definitely rise up these rankings by the middle of the season, uh, because I, I, I liked what he, what I saw from him overall, uh, in SEC play. Nice. Rob, who would you put after Utah? Oh, wait, 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 wait. We're going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> who would you put after the break? <laughs> All right, we're back. Gotcha. We got you. All right, Rob, who, who are we going after Utah? Uh, after Utah, geez, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Washington State. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Like Cameron Cooper, you know, these are all – I mean, they're all – like none of these people have played really. I mean, like I – you could maybe talk me into Tristan Gebbia at Oregon State, but he stunk at Nebraska. Oh, he, yeah, oh. he looked bad. Know, he, I mean, he, honestly, he was worse than DTR, in my opinion, last season. Yeah, when I, mean, I watched oh, the play. Oh, no. I mean, no. So, don't, like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't – I'm just not – I'm not, like, out of who's remaining. And I, I, I've i seen some of these guys, that, like, uh, play, like, at the Colorado spring game, and I just thought, oh, man, if Steven Montez get hurt, gets hurt, like, Colorado is in a world of trouble – um, 
yeah, like I, and not, it's not only that, but it's that uh, Washington State is going to run a very QB friendly system um, too. And I, I, I think at the end of this, like it's all going to have to flow through the QB. But that said, like Nick Rolovich, like he will pull you um, if you're not playing well. <laughs> so you can see, you can see a couple of these guys play. But I mean, I, I, you know, I like, uh, you know, I like, you know, Cooper. Um, he's, you know, four-star QB. He was the number 10 QB in, in 2018. That's that's a pretty good get for Washington State. Um, and Delora, who they got in 2020, he's another four-star guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that they could experiment with playing early, too. Got to say, it's an all-name team for Wazoo. You have Cameron Cooper, is. Gunner Cruz, and Jaden Delora. And uh, both, all three sound like they would start at a quarterback, you know, as quarterback at some position. But really, the big story here is Anthony Gordon, Gage Gabrud, and Trey Tinsley all gone. So none of these guys really have any experience. But they do come in with some pedigree, Max. And I actually tend to agree with Rob. I would trust this and the system over some of the other programs we have left here. Oh, yeah. No, I, I wasn't laughing at Rob's pick. I was laughing at how many schools were going over DTR because, no, I, I'm in agreement. <laughs> I just I can't believe how far DTR has fallen. It's it's crazy. But yeah, and I don't really like outside of their pedigrees. Like I, I haven't really watched tape on any of these quarterbacks, um, so I I can't say that I know their strengths and weaknesses. But I will say Gunnar Cruz is the best name in the conference for a quarterback. Oh, for sure. Rob, do we have to go Colorado here next? Sam Neuer, Ty- Tyler Lytle, Blake Stenstrom, and Brandon Lewis. I mean. No, I am going to call an audible, and I am actually going to say I am going to say UCLA only because if you look behind Thompson Robinson, Yankoff is he's he was a four-star guy. He got beat out at Washington, you know, but he's he's probably serviceable. Parker McCory is another guy that had some offers. He was a four-star QB. I mean, I just Thompson Robinson should it should like if you had when you told me that he you know Chip Kelly had kept him. I was like, yes, like this is going to work. And it has not worked <laughs> at all. <laughs> Number one dual threat, five-star quarterback recruit. And Chip Kelly cannot make it work at all. It is acrimonious. It is bad. He has regressed uh, year over year, and his first year was bad. That said, I think that he, I think UCLA, if you look at the depth behind him, I think it's decent. Um, I actually thought Burton played reasonably well some, when he was called upon, so I don't necessarily know that it's all – on Chip Kelly. I mean, I think there are a, a lot of these problems are on Chip Kelly, but I don't think they're all on Chip Kelly. Um, I, I would put the QB room in total, even with what I think is the worst starter in the league. Um, Cause I don't, I don't think DTR makes it through this entire season as the start. I think if Yankoff had been eligible last season, we would have seen him play. The one thing with Yankoff though, is that he plays third in that quarterback pecking order at Washington, which is why he transferred. So, um, it's that not. A, they got a. They got a. They got a stacked room. They got a. They got a pretty good QB room at Washington. I mean, all the Jakes. <laughs> the one. The one thing that that stood out for me was Parker McQuarrie, who you mentioned, Rob, was the freshman kid they came in. He was a top ten pro style quarterback. Like you mentioned, high offers. He had him from Michigan, Wisconsin, and Miami. Um, I don't know, Max. Where where would you put UCLA here in the pecking order? Uh well, so I actually I'm gonna disagree with Rob. Uh, in terms of DTR being the worst starter, but I didn't, I, I was so unimpressed with Jeb yet. Like he was incredibly limited and I, DTR very mistake prone, but I just, I, I, 
Oregon State's offense, and they were so good last year, could not move the ball with Jebby under center. Yeah, I, think he finished, I think he finished with under, under six uh, yards per attempt, which is downright pitiful in this day and age of college football. Um, DTR, I feel like he's like the closest thing we have to uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer version of Jameis Winston. But instead, like Jameis Winston is like 50% good, 50% bad, and DTR is 20% good, 80% bad. But, but he's still, yeah, like, he never does anything like still, super spectacular. But though. you still, but you get the same hilarity with the turnovers, and you, but you don't get the sure. quite peak. Uh, uh, with the great plays that Jameis makes, so uh, like an extreme, like a homeless Jameis Winston version. <laughs> that that is that is DTR. I um I think when it comes to Oregon State, one of the players to look out for is Chance Nolan, who is a four-star JUCO kid that came in. He came in at a Saddleback College, which is uh, one of those junior college programs in Southern California that gets a lot of those Orange County and Los Angeles kids. Um, he was the number seven dual threat player of uh, 2020 and has that juco experience he picked oregon state over utah oklahoma state and ucla so i I do think that other teams saw the talent there and he had a a laundry list of programs that had given to him so it'll be interesting to see if he overtakes jebbia but i think he does max just based on how bad jebbia is i know rob do you think we see uh do you think we end up seeing nolan over jebbia yeah, and, and Jonathan Smith is good. He's a very good offensive coach, you know, and I, I think it's going to, he will find somebody to make it work, you know, there. Um, <clears throat> I would put Colorado below that because I have seen this movie with Darren Chiaverini uh, before. Yeah. <laughs> so but I, I would have them there even with Jay Johnson because I saw that movie last year and it wasn't good. Yeah, these, the, the quarterbacks that came into Colorado, Max, um, just listening to our friends at the Freeball and podcast, they were not super high, if I recall, on Sam Neuer, and some of the people behind him are still up in the air as well. There was, there is a little bit of pedigree in, in bringing some of these guys in, but uh, I don't know. And, and like Rob mentioned with Dan Ch- uh, Darren Chiverini, like th- that could be just a total disaster. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like I have Colorado last, Oregon State eleventh. I just I am so looking forward to when college football win totals are out because if Colorado for some reason is at three and a half or higher, Max bet the under. There's no way they're winning more than three games this year, and that might even be optimistic. Oh my gosh. Rob, and they lose some top players. I mean we're not this isn't a dump on Colorado podcast, but it might turn into it here with them at the bottom. <laughs> I mean they they you know, you're coming back without LaVisca Chenault. I mean, Nick is Nixon back? I mean, there's there's some decent there is some decent talent there. I, I think that Chiverini has a very good eye for talent recruiting wide receivers. So I do expect that there are some guys that we maybe not have may not have heard of that haven't had playing time yet that are gonna be fine. Um there. Where they you know, the offensive line wasn't good, you know, Chiverini's play calling, everybody had him figured out, you know, three games into conference play. So We'll see. I mean, not having Steven Montez, I think, is going to be a big problem for them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I, mean, like, there's, there's not a lot to look forward to on that Colorado team. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, they won five games last year, but they had one. I mean, their fumble luck was remarkable. They were the only team last year to not lose a fumble on offense the entire year. And, 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 and in terms of recovering fumbles, I think they also had the highest one of the highest percentages on defense. Uh, in one score games, they had a winning record, I think, just looking at it now. Uh, yeah, they went four and three 
in 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 quote unquote close games, and so that like, yeah, I I just think that Colorado, even though they only went five and seven, that they're still due for some regression. Like regression doesn't only it doesn't necessarily only happen to teams that finish with good records. Like regression can also happen with mediocre or bad teams, and, and they could be even worse. And with the yeah. talent that's coming out of Colorado and their statistical profile from last year where they were fortunate to win five games uh, and then just whole new coaching staff. Uh, you're losing one of the, probably the most talented receiver in the pac 12. You're losing a, a four year or a three, four year starter at quarterback in Steven Montez. It's just, it's going to, and the non-conference is pretty tough too. It's just going to be really, really a disastrous year uh, for Carl Durrell in, in Boulder. And I, I, no, was, I, I think that's true of Oregon State too. I mean, not I don't I don't think it's disastrous, but I think it fans in their head often get in their head that like progress is linear. Um, but Oregon State, they lose almost everybody off that team last year. Um, they're especially on offense. I mean, I think they maybe returned somebody on some, some players on defense, but that defense kind of stunk. So it's there. There could be some teams taking a little bit of a step step back, even you know, in the middle of the conference last season. Yeah, and I would say with and I would say with Oregon State, like Washington was extremely unlucky last year. Even yeah. though I am down on them, but you would assume like I think that worst case they probably finish with the same right like seven and five, eight and four. That feels about right for them. I think Stanford's gonna improve. I just think last year was one of those years where like so many things broke wrong and and yeah, and it was just a mess. But I think that they're gonna improve because even though their depth isn't necessarily great. I still like their high-end talent with Walker Little and Paulson Adebo back. I, I, I really like Davis yeah. Mills a lot. So I think that they're going to be better. I think Cal is a contender. Uh, maybe, like, I, I think Oregon's the clear number one team in the North, but I definitely think that Cal uh, can give Washington a run for its money and, and finish 8-4 and four, uh, next year. So that really leaves Oregon State uh, at the bottom along, and then and Washington I guess Washington State as well. I, I I think those two teams can really struggle. Okay. Well, with that, let's close this out. Again, stick with us. We have, uh, during the break, we were talking about how much time we're going to have breaking through all these rosters and taking a look at these teams. So if you want in-depth coverage of Pac-12 football, this is your podcast. We will continue to do this through the offseason, cover spring ball, and light a candle for this season. Hopefully it happens. So, um one last announcement to make is, again, the winners of our Colorado coaching contest. And those winners are Brad Pate Johnson and uh, EM Monster, E-Monster 7. Um, you have until Thursday to get into this podcast to let us know that you heard the podcast and that you won that contest. And we will do a tiebreaker for you. We had initially put it on the Pac-12 bracket, but um, but I'll figure out something else. But if you guys... If you guys let me know that you heard the show, we will make sure to get something to you. And if only one of you reaches out, you win it outright. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you haven't written a review of the podcast, please do that. It's a big help. And we will catch you next week.